Welcome to another episode of Embrace the Suck. Today I have Carlos with us, um, currently a staff in COIC and RSS somewhere. Um, keep that out of the, no one needs to know, right? Um, but welcome to the show, man. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come out here because I know as much as anybody that a Thursday night, you either just made phase line or missed phase line. You've got numbers to turn in for tomorrow. There's a whole lot of stuff that you could be doing right now, but you're taking some time out to to be with us and to be on this podcast. So I just want to thank you first, first and foremost for that. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much, man. Um, so just give us a kind of a rundown, you know, how long you've been on the duty um, and just who is Kar- uh, Karos, and we'll go from there. All right. Yeah. So uh, basically I graduated uh, from recruiter school eight months ago. Um, and as soon as I checked in, I was made a staff in CYC and, uh, of an O and two. So essentially brand new recruiter and my recruiter is also brand new. So we're both learning as we go. It's, uh, you know, it's been brutal, but at the same time, we've learned a lot. We've come a long way and seeing the impact that we have on the kids up here is phenomenal because a lot of them don't have options. And no matter how hard the duty is and, you know, how hard the grind is day by day, both myself and my one recruiter, we keep that in mind and we just keep chugging along and trying to keep that positive mental attitude. Wow. Um, that's so first of all, I'm glad that you started off with that um, because that's a huge part of the the issue that I have with a lot of people is that they don't. They don't look at it like that right they don't and i saw your facebook status you made the other day which was i was like wow this is gonna be a great topic to talk about but a lot of people don't look at it like that they don't look at it like hey listen man like yeah this is a hard duty but we're changing the lives of americans like we're changing the lives of people and cultures and generations and people just don't think about it like that so i just want to thank you for for starting this off like that because it's an amazing reality that like we get to do this it's a gift that we get like, and people don't think about it like that they're like oh bro i got a history of recruiting duty it's like dude you get to be the spokesperson for the marine corps yep. like it's but no one thinks about it like that um so one of my first questions really would be man is excuse me is how how did it feel like did you know when you left brc that you were coming out here to be a staff at coic or they didn't tell you that i found out i think two or three weeks before graduation you know we received that phone call from the sergeant major you know briefing us on where we're going and i was expecting to you know be a regular canvassing recruiter and you know some things happened one thing led to another a new rss was being stood up and uh, one of the recruiters was relieved and you know, I was the best person for the job as far as they were concerned. Um, not sure how the, the, you know, the picking went, but uh, I was a little shocked, as you could expect, to hear that I'm going to be a recruiter and a boss. Um, yeah. the, the learning curve was immense. Um, the first three or four months were brutal, absolutely brutal. Yeah, and I, I can do that. I can, I can only imagine that because, like, I remember being – I I had an advantage. Uh, I'll be real. A lot of people get mad and they they talk crap about it. But hey, listen, I'm a reservist, so I had an advantage before I went to BRC. I had already been on the streets for about a month. Mm-hmm. I had background. I was an a, a recruiter's assistant for a while. 
So when I got it to BRC, like everything that was, I was never taught like legitimately MC3 skills, but I watched it and listened to it enough around the office that I knew it. Mm-hmm. So when I got to BRC, it was very, I wouldn't say easy for me, but I had already conducted interviews. I already had NWAs. So for me, it was just like, I'm here because I had to be here type thing. Um, so it wasn't a learning curve for me. I actually had a lot of disagreements with my BRC instructor because one, I just honestly thought he was trash. Um, and (laughs) so a lot of times I would look at what he was doing and I'd be like, that doesn't even make sense. And me and him, actually, I had a lot of closed door conversations with him and he would tell me like, listen, man, nothing, you know, is to leave your lips and go to any of my students was is what he would tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so I, I guess one of the questions would be is that, so you came out now when you came out on the duty, were you already a staff sergeant? Yeah. Okay. So do you think that the fleet Marine Corps could have prepared you any better for this shock at life? Or do you think that like you were, that that BRC and your Marine Corps career prepared you as best as you possibly could before you got out here. Like, what are your thoughts on that? So uh, to be upfront with you, I haven't been in the fleet for like four years. Um, before, oh wow! I was on I and I duty. Um, oh, so you were on I on I and I duty. So okay, that'll be another question that I ask you. But wow, so that's a whole. Oh my God! So you went. So you. So how so okay, I guess this is a multi-layered question. Yep. How was I and I duty for you? And have you felt that being on I and I duty has helped you with recruiting duty? Because I would feel that it would it would help you a lot with like the KG mission and, and stuff like that. So I mean I and I um it was its own world in comparison to the fleet and recruiting. Yes. I will say I prefer recruiting over I and I. Um Oh really? For a hundred percent. Really? Um the workload in I and I was it was there were some days like sure you're getting off at sixteen hundred, and there's some days where you're working both ends of the candle, you know, and it's it's one of those things where how do you say this? It's going from the fleet to I and I and being in charge of not only your job but then five, six, seven other collateral billets. Uh, yeah. Was, was and then pretty- funerals, toys yeah. for dots. And honestly, that's the reason why I prefer recruiting over I and I. Uh, funerals, we we averaged ten funerals a week for only eight staff members. It was pretty bad, and not just that, but the Caicos. Um, you know, telling a loved yeah. one they lost their, you know, their Marine, that that mm-hmm. was hard. Um, and that's one of the primary reasons why I prefer recruiting because here, you're telling them that your child, their child, now has an opportunity and can better their life. Whereas on I and I duty, you're telling them that all their opportunities are gone because they no longer are breathing. And Mm. it's, um, were you, were you personally involved, uh, involved in the Caicos? Yeah. A couple of them. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, and it's, it's, it's it's definitely an eye opener. Um, and as hard as recruiting is, I keep Mm -hmm. trying to get to perspective, Like, like look at where I came from, and, you know, I learned a lot in I&I. If it wasn't for I&I, I would not be anywhere as sufficient as I am because a part of my job was the uh, Toys for Tots coordinator. So I was in front of the public a lot, you know, speaking. Yeah. People, you know, I already knew how to talk to civilians. Whereas mm-hmm. if I came straight from the fleet and I spoke like a Marine, that'd be <laughs> part. Um, 
Bro, I, I, you know what? It, it, I've never brought this up in the podcast, but I think that that's something that the Marine Corps should strive a little harder at is that part. Is yeah. like, because like, people talk about that all the time. It's just like, bro, when I come, you know, the first problem you have is going from active duty to now being in the civilian world where you got to talk to people like normal yeah. human beings, right? And I think that's like, I feel like that's something that the Marine Corps should kind of try to do a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Because that's a huge. Even if you just, even if say you don't get off the marine, you don't get out of the marine. Corps, I'm sorry. Say you don't go to a B billet, but you get out of the marine corps. Now you have these corporals, these sergeants, that are getting out of the marine corps with no understanding on how it is to get back into the real world and speak to normal life human beings. Because even even myself, like even though I was on recruiting duty for four years, um, and I was a reservist, like I'll still find myself now in my civilian job just saying things that like they're just like wait what like there's still even there's still that culture shock and yep. i feel like the marine corps doesn't do a good enough job of it and at least training these marines and 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 not just the marine corps but staff and ceos sergeants you know senior mm-hmm. leaders i feel like they need to do more when it comes to public speaking like you shouldn't you know public speaking and these different things they should be more you know, these are things that should be learned at different courses and stuff like that. I feel like, you know, I know that there are things implemented, but mm-hmm. I feel like they're not implemented enough. And that like, the you know, Marine Corps recruiting duty shouldn't be the first time you're introduced to speaking to the civilian populace. No, it shouldn't. And, you know, and you're right. I think the Marine Corps in some cases does lack a little bit there, but they are also making improvements. And yeah, of course, I mean, I've been in for about 10 years now, and I can say from my first year to now, I can, I notice a difference, you know? Oh yeah. Greatly, greatly. Definitely. You know, like the, you know, the way that Marines communicate with each other now, I would say is more professional. Yeah. You know, it's more of a two way conversation and not so much like you're going to do it. Of course there's situations that call for that, but I do think that the Marine Corps is going in the right direction. I agree. Um, I definitely agree with that because it's become more about communication because and I was actually having this conversation earlier um you know a couple of weeks ago with one of my gunnery sergeants and um and I had said the same thing I was like you know we grew up in a marine corps where it was just like parenting do as I say not as I do or mm-hmm. hey when I tell you to do something you do it right now you don't question me right yep. and now the marine corps I don't want to say it's changed too much but now it's not that these Marines are questioning. It's that these Marines just want to understand. And it was the same thing when I was a young Marine. It wasn't that I was questioning why I had to do this. But when you have an understanding of why you're doing something, you mm-hmm. understand the mission more. You understand what's going on more. You have an understanding. You care more. You you have an understanding of why this is why it's important this happens. And then it's also you have an understanding of why it's important that we do it this way. Exactly. And and back in the day when I was, you know, junior Marine, Lance Corporal Bennett, you know, in the in going to Afghanistan, if I asked that question, it was like, hey, shut the F up. You need to just listen and do your job. And it's like, but what if you had explained to me why we do it this way? Like, well, hey, why did you why did you not do it this way? And you did it this way. Oh, well, it's because you learned 16 times not to do it this way. And mm-hmm. while I understand that I still have to learn on my own, 
But if you've already learned it, you can also explain it to me and explain, hey, like we don't do it this way because and it's like the same thing with my children. You know, hey, we don't I don't I don't I don't just tell my son, hey, don't jump off the, the flight of stairs because you're going to get hurt. I explained to him, you know, hey, we don't do that because you can go to the hospital or because you walk down the stairs and you hold the rail or, you know, like we we explain things to understand. And I think that's a huge part of what you're talking about now. Um, with the Marine Corps being where we are is we're very different in leadership traits. We're definitely we've grown and we've also realized that there's not one type of leadership. There's multiple different types. 100%. I think uh, what you're saying can uh, dramatically apply to recruiting duty. Because, um, for instance, you know, I use communication with my recruiter. If I'm like, hey, you can't you can't leave until you have what you need for tomorrow. And, you know, he, of course, it's it sucks, right? Because you want to go home, you want to sleep, you want to see. But, like, when you explain the why behind it and you, like, break down things for them to see it, they understand. And they're like, oh, I get it. You're just trying to make me successful. And, yeah. And that's a huge part of it, I think, is communicating. Um, 100%, bro. I really agree with you on that. Because I, I and I can speak from honesty from here i remember when i first got on the duty and i was a brand new i was a brand new sergeant i had just gotten promoted to sergeant so i literally came out to the to recruiting duty as a sergeant this was like my first ever leadership role being an a gunner and stuff like that and well i mean as a sergeant and for me you know no one explained like my first staff in coic i'll be completely honest well the only staff in coic i had he didn't explain things to me he didn't explain how numbers worked. He didn't explain why was it important to close out your month in sight. He didn't explain why was it important to, you know, have take one stands. He didn't explain yeah. why was it important to, you know, have contact cards. Mm -hmm. Like none of those things were explained to me until, <laughs> hey, we have an SRI tomorrow. All of this stuff's got to get fixed. And it's like, well, if you had like when I became a staff in COIC and I went to this course and I learned all of this stuff, I was like, bro, I, at the time I had already been on the duty for two years. And in my mind, I was like this stuff that we are learning at staff and COIC course, I should have known two years ago. Like if I knew all of these things that were supposed to be done, mm -hmm. like like the seven duty responsibilities of being a staff in CYC, like all the training that I'm supposed to be receiving, where the hell was that at? Like, like there's so much stuff that you're like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to get this. I'm supposed to get this. I'm supposed to do this. And, this. and there's just so much lost in translation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's because we're not doing proper turnovers. We're not doing proper training. Like you're, you know, like for instance, yourself, I don't know how it went. And clearly you can speak on this for us, but, when you became the staff at COIC, did you get a did you get a turnover? Like, did you get a good like left right seat like for a good couple of weeks to get an understanding of what was going on, or were you just like because me when they made me the staff in COIC, like it was at first it was going to be hey we're going to make you a staff in COIC in a couple of months we're going to have you go here and shadow da da da, and then all of a sudden dude gets a DUI and they're like hey. August 1st, you're taking on a mission letter the day you get promoted to staff sergeant and go. And yep. I was like, what? What? 
I was like, I've, I, I have no idea how to be a staff in CYC besides this two week course that I just took. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I know. <laughs> so I guess to answer your question, uh, the sector I took over has been gapped, was gapped for four or five months before we got here. Um, wow. Had no turnover. Um, um, a great RI shop and they have yeah. helped. Um, essentially the staff in CYC that was two hours away from me, uh, did his best to train me up, you know, Skype phone calls visited from time to time, but, but no, I didn't really have a left right seat. Like everything was trial by fire and basically just, uh, seeing what worked and going Mm -hmm. from, and you know, when it comes to training, it was difficult because my guy was just as new as me you know, how do I give validation to what I'm trying to tell him? And that was hard. Thankfully, you know, I, I, he's a very mature sergeant and mm-hmm. he understood the situation we're in. Very, um, yeah, very uh, cooperative, I guess you could say. And he understood, yeah. I, I know as much as you, but I'm trying to train you the best I can. And, you know, for a while training was just, you know, us listening to each other, TC, going out AC together and, you know, poking holes in our methods and talking about how we can make it better. And that kind of makes me want to go back to, you mentioned MC3. And I want to say like to maybe new recruiters looking at this is don't listen to people saying that MC3 is garbage because it's not, you know, I think MC3 is the science. Bro, if you, I, I will, I gotta, I, I want to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I'm telling you this right now. I agree with you wholeheartedly because People that say M3, MC3 is retarded are people who do not know how to use MC3 accurately. Exactly. It is not that it's retarded. It's not that MC4 is retarded. It's not that it's some crazy speech. It's some crazy methodical thing. No. It is literally a proven thing that has been proven to work. I use it in my current job as a civilian. I have friends of mine who literally model their entire real estate agencies off of it. It is literally something that literally one of maybe one of the best things the Marine Corps ever went and did. Um, and yes, it is. Yes. Come if you're not someone, and, and this is my wholehearted, like this is my opinion. And I'm not saying this because I have someone was like, bro, you're like an advocate for 12s now. No, I'm just a common sense person. In mm-hmm. my personal opinion, if you do nothing besides use MC3, you should be able to let write at least one contract a month at minimum. Yeah. Like that's just, and I say that because I've watched of one of my best friends who was, uh, he's a Mexican dude from LA has the thickest accent in the world. And you could not understand him half the time, but that dude did MC three. And was a motivated, dedicated sergeant, and mm-hmm. his 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 rules at life were: I'm a sergeant, I cannot fail. He never wrote less than one a month, mm-hmm. and he and English was literally like broken English. His English was broken, and mm-hmm. all he used was MC3 and Gunnery Sergeant Bastalone as his mental his mantra, and mm-hmm. it's just I just I completely agree with you. Yeah, and you know. Is MC3 going to suck the first three months? Yeah. You know, because you, you only know the science. 
but as you, you know, fall into that groove of recruiting and you start applying your own art to it, it, uh, it will wholeheartedly pay tenfold. Um, you know, it, it's just, I think it's a crucial part of recruiting. If you just go into it and completely throw MC3 out the window, you're not going to make it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, hundred. I, I, I completely agree with you 100%. And I, and I think it's because the people who say that it doesn't work are the hard headed people that don't want it to work. Yeah. Like they just don't it, it like, like honestly, like if you, and I, and I get it, I get that. You know, I, I understand that BRC is like another Marine Corps school where we push everybody through. Nobody fails like because literally nobody fails BRC. Like even if you failed BRC, you're passing BRC. Like, let's be real here. Um, and and that's the thing is that I think there's just so many people that don't. There's just people who are bitter towards 8412s and bitter towards the recruiting duty because of what they've been told. And I've and I've I've related it to. Like before in, in other podcasts, I've related it to the essentially in my mind, it's when you when a when a <clears throat> when a Marine joins the Marine Corps, they have no idea what their MOS is, right? They don't know what they're doing besides they know the number and they know what they've heard of it, right? Mm-hmm. Once you become an O three thirty one or an O three eleven, you become indoctrinated into the hey, that person's a pogue. That's just something you become indoctrinated into. Before that, you never knew what that even meant, and it meant nothing to you. But as you go along, there's this mantra, there's identity in being an infantryman where people, anybody else is just a pogue, right? Mm -hmm. So in my mind, there's now, after all of these years, there's if you look at the Facebook page that we're both on, there's guys coming on, you know, that are like, hey, recruited in 1989 and recruiting duty sucked then. And now I'm going to talk about how much it sucked. Like, bro, you're still talking about how bad something sucked 30 years ago. Like, we're like really, bro? And yeah. that's the problem is that we've created this this idea, this indoctrination that recruiting duty has to suck, yeah. that it has to stink. And then that 8412s are all horrible people and mm-hmm. that they, you know what I mean? And this is just something that's been created over the years. Um, and it's like, well, maybe that's not true. Maybe, maybe MC3 really does work. Maybe there's a reason, you know, why like Gunnery Sergeant Flores, he's a freaking. I don't know if you know who he is, but he has a PhD. He is a real estate agent and he also, um, just became recruit. He was recruiter of the nation and he just became, um, drill instructor of the year for Mm -hmm. the, for all of the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. So, and he literally talks about how his now as a real estate agent uses MC3 still. <coughs> so, yeah, you know, I mean, the proof is the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, one thing I also want to say is, you know, when I came on the recruiting duty, I was terrified of the command and not in the sense of like, you know, of whatever, but like just because, you know, you hear the horror stories. You know, you hear, you know, commands out to get recruiters and, you know, the RI shop is just there to document training to RFC you. And I, <laughs> that's not the case, at least in my my experience. Right. Um, I have a great command and they have whole, fully showed that that is not what recruiting duty is about. They're there for you. And when it comes to 12s, you know, I have a lot of respect for them. Like they volunteered essentially to take a mission letter for the rest of their career. Like I couldn't do that. There's no way, you know, I'm, yeah. 
doing this for eight months and I'm like, whew, two, two, two yeah. years change. Right. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's big. And all I could say to people is don't listen to the, you know, the gripes about recruiting. Cause this is what you make of it. Uh, that I do believe, you know, yeah. do you sometimes have a boss who maybe doesn't do what they have to do? Yeah. But at the same time, just do your best to change lives. And don't forget yeah. that's doing because you you will find uh, that recruiting is very rewarding. You know, yeah. Um, literally, I you know sending sending shippers and you know contracting kids, and they're all like, "Thank you, and for giving me an yeah. option, and for listening to me, and listening to what I want and need." And and when you hear that little bit of appreciation, I guess you could say, it it makes all of the sucky parts of recruiting just not matter. A hundred percent, man. And, and, and for me, I agree with you. And, and one thing that I always tried to explain to people and, and implement, at least when I was a staff in COIC and to my recruiters was just, I always hated when I heard people say, Oh, my recruiter lied to me. Mm-hmm. So I made sure to do my damnedest and not yep. lie to anybody because yep. I'm a reservist, so eventually you're going to come back to New Jersey, and I'm going to look at you and say, I told you so. Mm -hmm. So I would ensure, and I just like doing it because I'm like, listen, you're not going to be this person who's on Facebook saying, oh, the Marine Corps recruiter lied to me, and here I am years later. No, like I'm going to make sure that you understand what you're signing up for, and if you have any questions, you have any questions, I'm going to answer them. Mm -hmm. And and it's because you know a lot of people, the reason why people hate this duty is because it's not the duty – like the okay, so the duty is a hard place to be, right? But it brings out the nastiness in people. Yes. Like and and people don't want. I saw this on the Facebook status the other day, and it's like people don't want to admit it. Like, bro, no recruiting duty. Literally, you find out about the amount of dirt bags there are surrounding you in the Fleet Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Like you literally, you get stuck in an office with four to five other Marines every single day. You start finding about out about the guy who doesn't change his clothes. You start finding out about the guy who doesn't clean his car. You find out about the guy who never gets a haircut. You find out about the guy who doesn't shave and has to be told to shave, even though he's a sergeant. You find out about the guy who can't do anything on his own and has to have someone constantly there to help him. Mm-hmm. And and then you turn around and you ask yourself, how the hell did you make it to the rank of sergeant and or staff sergeant? Okay. And and that's the part about it that people get so mad about is that it's not that recruiting duty sucks. It's that you just got outed after 12 years, 13 years, 14 years in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. You just got outed. And, you know, and, and not to be that guy because I've really never talked about it. But if you think about it. All across Mikrick, you hear about cases after cases after cases of all different things. Dipping in the pool, DUIs, all this different stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Those The first thing that always comes to my mind when that happens, my fir- I had it happen to one of the Marines after I left an office. It was a guy who just checked in a couple of months in, found out that he was trying to dip in the pool, mm-hmm. and... My first thought was, this dude's a staff sergeant in the United States Marine Corps. He's been in for 12 years. My first thought was, what the hell has he been doing for 12 years that no one caught him doing? Yep. 
And that's the thing about it is that like it's not that the duty's hard, which I I'm not I'm never going to say it's not hard. It's just that people don't want to admit that recruiting duty opens the world up to freaking dirtbags. Yeah. Like you will quick like if you're somebody who's not a good leader, somebody who doesn't care about other people, somebody who doesn't care about the team, the mission and all that stuff, very quickly it you're outed. Mhm. And and that's what a lot of people just don't like about it. People don't want to be honest with themselves and be like, wow, you know what? This shit, this shit is hard. And then and for some people, it's the first sign of adversity they've ever seen in their whole career. Yep. And that's the other thing, too. And that's also why it's a B billet. And that's also why, you know, it has the highest, you know, amount of people who get promoted when they leave the duty. Mm hmm. Because it's it's it, it's it's not. I'm not gonna say it's better than um, drill instructor or harder than the other one, but realistically, the numbers have proven that more people leave recruiting duty and get promoted and or get promoted on the duty. Mm -hmm. And you know, if, if you really just look at the duty, it's it's a rewarding duty. So my question for you would be: at this point in your eight months of being on the duty, what are what are some of the stressors that you've um, you've encountered, um, especially being in the position that you're in, um, and then and then how do you deal with those stressors? Man, there's a there's quite a few. I mean, you know, you name it: NWA's flaking, um, appointments no showing, uh, parents refusing PC. Like it just goes on and on. But for me, I think the the primary stressor is you talk to a lot of people. And you hear some incredibly sad stories. And I'm not going to give any names on this, but, uh, you know, this morning I had a very emotional call with uh, and she said she's worried that her son can't join the Marine Corps because the dad no longer has custody. Because there was found out last night that he was sexually assaulting uh, this kid's older brother and younger brother. And, um, you know, how do you deal with that? Right. Like. You know, it, I, it's, it's still bugging me right now, but I think the best way to deal with it is to continue pushing forward and to to just keep trying to change that kid's life. And I mean, PT is huge. Like, I, I you got to make the time for PT because that is my mental place. That's where I mentally de-stress. And, you know, if you don't make the time, you're not going to ha have the time. You know, whether it's at zero five or 2200 a night try to get that in there because just getting out getting a good sweat in just helps so much with relieving the stress that you might encounter during that day and i mean you and you saw it in my post as well like the <clears throat> the guy i just shipped you know living in a shed you know after being sexually assaulted like come on you know you don't what is that that doesn't yeah. that's not uh when it comes to the Marine Corps, like we're used to, like some of us, like, quite a few of us come from hard backgrounds, but like we're used to being Marines and used to being around quality people. And yeah. when you hear stuff like that, it kind of like wrecks you a little bit. Yeah. You know, just like during package prep for that kid that I was talking about this morning, um, the dad was in my office and he shook my hand and he acted like a normal loving dad. And... You know, how, how do you compartmentalize that and, you know, de-stress from that and, and defuse what you're feeling? Because I'm telling you, as soon as I heard that on the phone, this instant red. I was like, what the heck? You yeah. know, um, I'm still trying to figure out how to de-stress from that one. 
But uh, yeah, just hearing some of the stories that these kids have is is heartbreaking. Bro, and, and that's and, and I'm glad that you I don't want to say I'm glad that you bring that up because it is a, a hard subject. But, you know, this is something that I haven't really talked about on the on the podcast yet. And that's the truth of it is that, like, number one, nobody talks about the amount of anxiety, depression, stuff that you deal with as a recruiter and or a staff and COIC. Mm hmm. And and something that I I've always wondered, and I'm gonna actually have a an eighty four twelve uh, master guns on here soon. And one of the questions that I have is like, dude, they've been dealing it with it for years. Like, think about yeah. the amount of conversations or stories or pulleys that they've lost, or or Marines that they've put in the Marine Corps that have passed away, or you know, like there's so many stories out there of all of these different. Like I know myself, I had a pulley. Um, I had just met her. Mm -hmm. And about a month into me being in the staff and COIC, she passed away in a car accident. Um, and I was literally trying to get her to direct ship um, to get her out. And unfortunately, the job that she wanted wasn't available and we couldn't get her out. And if she had shipped early, she wouldn't have been dead. Right. And these are all sure. and those are all conversations you have with yourself. Like you're like, dude, what could I have done and stuff like that? And it's like. And then you also have the same idea, like and I've said this before on the podcast, like, bro, when when I got that call that this female had died, there was a moment in time where my in my head I was like, who am I going to get to replace her? Like my, immediately, my first thought at three a.m. in the morning was, I need a shipper. Mm -hmm. And and then immediately as I thought that thought, I said to myself, Doug, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Like somebody, like literally, as that thought left my mind. I laid, I stopped for a second before I called the sergeant major, before I called the CO. I had just gotten off the phone with my recruiter and I just stopped and I prayed and I prayed for her, her family, her, you know, her, her family and everybody that knew her. And then I asked God for forgiveness because I literally just had this the, the horrible thought. And it, but it wasn't because it was a horrible thought. It was because at that time in my life, that was the anxiety and stress that I was under was that was going to be the next question from the command. Like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, we love, we, you know, have, you know, reach out to the family, condolences and all that. But, hey, we still have a ship mission to make. Right. Mm -hmm. And these are all things that we live with afterwards. Right. The yeah. people that you're meeting. And that's the thing about it, too, that nobody talks about is like you got to think about it, man. How many how many people do you talk to a day? Oh, so many. I mean. Right. Like yeah. whether it's your CEO, your commanding officer, whether it's somebody in the command, a recruiter, a Marine, just people on the street or anybody. Right. How many how much do you not have left by the end of your day? You just you don't want to speak to anybody because you've probably said thousands of words in that day mm -hmm. and you just get so you just get so stressed out. And, and now you're also holding in these stories that people are telling you. Like, you know, like I had the same thing, you know, I had a Marine who's actually right now at OCS. Um, but same thing. I met him, young man. Um, he was the first pulley. He was the first interview I ever had that bawled out in tears for like the entirety of the interview. 
and cried about how his father used to beat him, about how his father used to beat him and his mother in Peru, and how they fled here to America so that they could that he could that so that he could have a but they could have a better life, and how all he wanted to do was be successful for them, and and how he could never forgive his father, and like that's just one story of the all of the people that I had that joined the Marine Corps and now are in the Marine Corps or the people that got out and got kicked out. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then, and, and in all of this, a lot of the time you feel part of it, right. Cause now you are a part of it. Now this is something that's been passed on to you. It's in your mind. It's in your, in your head. Like you're saying right now, like, how do I deal with this? How do I get through it? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, you know, I'm not sure if you are a spiritual man, but I would definitely say, give it to God. Um, even if you're not given, you know, you know, give it to him and, and, and definitely, you know, pray for that young man and hope that in hopes that things get better, you know, later on in life for him and his family and his, that things get better for his father. And, you know, the, the whole thing is just sad. Right. But so now, nice, the gym and, and stuff like that. Now, how do you think you, and I think you said this before that you said you had a really good RI shop. Mm-hmm. I do. Okay, so you so you would definitely say that they've done the best that they can and or better for helping you grow and, and prosper as a staff in COIC? 100%. I mean, I, I am about four, four and a half hours away from my RS. Oh, and wow. So, I mean, for them to take a trip up here, it's it's a lot. Because, I mean... Wow. Oh, my. Bro, I want you to know something. I, I, I got to end. I want you to know that I hold heartedly feel for you right now because i i don't want to know the the the, i don't want to know that the heart pain or the heartache you wake up with in the morning because i don't know what i would feel like if it was me and one other recruiter four and a half hours away from the rs alone like literally no other marine in sight yeah and you don't have a not i don't want to say you don't have enough training because you're saying that you're the command has done as much as they possibly can with being as far as they are, but you're just, you're in a knife fight mm-hmm. and it, in my mind, you're in a knife fight, but you just have like two chopsticks. But yeah, I mean like, like they gave you the chopsticks cause Hey, this is all we have right now. And mm-hmm. now you're just whittling them as, as eight months goes on soon enough, they'll get sharpened enough. So, mm-hmm. cause like, bro, I, I don't know how I, I give you all the respect in the world because I, I don't know that I would have been able to do that. Like my RS was in my first R my my first when I was in my first RSS, my RS was 15 minutes away. My second one, um, I was I think an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And I but I lived 15 minutes away. So but wow, dude. Wow. So how so do you I feel like you do a lot of zooms and skypes and stuff to for training and, and, and stuff? Oh uh, I mean we try to. I mean, I am. I have a lot of road time because RAO is ten thousand acres, so it's it's huge. I mean, my QMA is four hundred. <laughs> His QMA is five hundred. I mean, we're always on the road, always. So, for us to take time to like Skype is pretty difficult. Like, um, if we're gonna do some training, we have to actually sector off a day or two, just to get some adequate training in. Um, Otherwise, it's like a, you know, the morning brief, you know, a quick 30 minute blurb on how we can improve something, you know, just doing what we can to train and improve. But, um, yeah, 
trying to use all the tools we have at our disposal and to, you know, make sure that we, we, uh, make mission. Right. Wow. So it's really just the two of you in, in the office every day, like, bro, okay, what did we do he's, yesterday? How do we do better today? He's not even in my office. He's an hour and a half away from me. Oh, he's in a PCS. Yep. <coughs> bro. Hold on a minute. So you're, wait, hold on. So you're a staff in CIC and a recruiter. And he's your recruiter an hour and a half away. Yes. So you spend the whole day by yourself. Yes. I mean, I Bro, get, get the get the hell out of here. If you don't listen to me, if your commanding officer, your RI or somebody listens to this podcast, they need to you need to get a Navy com because I could not do three years on this duty by myself. I mean, like we, we make it happen. You know, I mean, we're Marines and we're no, I, I, I listen, I agree it. And I, and I believe that I would make it happen, too. But that doesn't change the fact that you're doing something short of a miracle or if not a miracle. God, wow. Well, don't get me wrong. Like, I am out of this office as much as possible and in a school. Because, oh, yeah, I would never I would never be in the office. Like, I wouldn't even own an office. I would lose the keys. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, like when I got here in August, um, AC here is terrible. There's no real solid place to AC. So I was in the office a lot and it felt like a prison. As soon as those schools opened up, oh my goodness, I was in there because you, you can't sit in a building by yourself. It just gets to you. It grinds your mind. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I'm in a school every day as much as possible. Yeah, dude, I was saying that today. Like I, I work now and I work some days from home, but some days I work in the office and I, I'm in a little cubicle. Um, in a well, I'm in a room and there's no windows, and I walk in at eight and I leave it's at four, and there's no windows in the whole entire building. Mm-hmm. So like I literally like when I walk out of the when I walk out of my office, I'm just like, oh my god, like mm-hmm. the whole like I feel you know what I mean. So I don't know, I would not. That's crazy. So what are um? So I guess what I know you had said earlier that like NWAs and, and stuff like was an issue like committals. So what are some of the issues that you've had that you've learned on your own to be able to overcome? Um, and then what are some things that maybe you, you need help with or some things that maybe um, you you think you could work on? That's a, that's that's kind of a tough question. Um, but I, I guess when it, you know, time management. I think would be a big one. Um, I've always been good at time management, but coming here, taking on the roles of recruiter and a staff into I see plus having an AO of 10,000 acres was, you know, I went from overcoming hills and hurdles of time management to now looking at Mount Everest and asking myself, how am I going to section this off and make it so my time is actually effective? Um, So I would say time management for sure. And I think, how I've learned to mitigate the wasting of time or unproductive time is, you know, every time I'm driving to a school, because my father's school is an hour and a half away, and stop at every gas station, set up a take one stand, talk to the clerk, you know, don't even talk about the Marine Corps, just have a cultural conversation, introduce yourself, and say, hey, you know, how's everything going? And maybe the third time you talk to them, like, hey, I actually have a, a cousin or a brother or a boyfriend who isn't doing anything. And I think the military might be a good option. Would you talk to them? And like, I've, I've had appointments that way, but just doing everything you can to mitigate the wasting of time. Like 
when I come into the office, my phone, my personal phone goes on the desk because I can't afford that distraction. You know, unless I'm DCing on Instagram or something like that, it's, it's in the desk, you know, and, um, you know, like going on, on uh, social media and just scrolling through and looking at stuff can be a huge time waster because before you know it, you just spent 30 minutes doing that. And mm-hmm. that's 30 minutes you could be processing. That's 30 minutes that you could be crunching your numbers to see where you're effective and not effective. And yeah. I think that's. So huge. now is that, sorry to interrupt you, is that something that you've learned on your own? Yes. Like you've just noticed that on my own, like, okay, hey, I need to focus here. I, and I guess you're in a different world than most because you, you're a recruiter and you're your own staff at CIC. Yeah, so you're just like, you're like, you're looking at yourself like, hey, man, like you, because you, because when you look at the numbers, you can't be like, hey, staff aren't Reinhold. You didn't make your TCs today. And then it's like, wait a minute. You didn't make your TCs today. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We're having that conversation. You know, I just have a mirror in front of me and just like going back and forth. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just I, that was, just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I get it. Like I can imagine that, like in an office, that'd be a funny, like, uh, like, a, like a funny recruiting video. Like it's <laughs> just like, hey, staff sergeant, what the hell are you doing? And then it's you over here, and you're just like, because bro, that's exactly what's going on. And then you're, I can only imagine your command. They're also like, I can only imagine they're trying to be understanding of you being a staff and suit. Excuse me. They're trying to be understanding of you being a staff in CIC, but they're also trying to be understanding of you being a recruiter because they're like, hey, he's got to do the seven duties, responsibilities, and he has to find his contracts. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I feel like, wow, man, I feel like that's a, a whole world of craziness going on right now. And I, I know, I'm happy you mentioned the command because, like I said before, I have a great command. They completely understand. Like, they're doing – when I say everything that they can to try and make my life as bearable as possible, they really are. Um, there's times where they really took it and just, you know, wrecked me, but they're not because they understand that I'm trying, my recruiters trying and we're just doing everything we possibly can to be effective recruiters and contribute to the team and, and not just be up here, you know, wallowing in pity saying, you know, looking at our circumstances and just letting it get to us because the only way we're going to get better is to actually try. And, you know, is our situation maybe a little unique? Yeah, it could be. But, you know, if we just sit in the chair and say, oh, this sucks, it's never going to get better. And it's just going to be three years of pain. Bro, that's so true. You know, and, and I'm glad that you bring it up, man, because – that's a, and I've had episodes about this before, like just with the, um, just with the idea of positive mental toughness, right? Like that, that, cause it's reality, you know, and, and that's something that you're taught at, at a young age in the Marine Corps at a young rank at a young age. And, and it's something that like really does matter because if you're, you know, if you are making, you know, the excuses every day on why you can't be successful, mm-hmm. well, then you're making the excuses. You know, and and it was like I was listening to a podcast earlier today um, <clears throat> by um, the guest on there was J- this guy, J.P. Donnell. He was a Navy SEAL. And that's what he talks about is he call- he calls it attacking complacency. And he's like, he's like, dude, like there's so many times that I get lazy to the point where I will not do anything. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but I have to remind myself that I'm just creating excuses 
And the, and a lot of times the only reason why I'm failing is because I'm allowing myself to fail and I'm creating reasons to fail. I'm creating excuses. And, and he was just like, bro, at the end of the day, like you're, if you're not, uh, if you're not fighting against complacency every day, mm-hmm. then there's an issue because every day it's, you know, and he was, he's a Christian and he was talking about, you know, the devil. And he was talking about how complacency is the devil. And how the devil is just constantly trying to get in your way to keep you from being productive. Mm-hmm. And and how we allow ourselves to become complacent and we allow ourselves to not add anything to the mission. Yeah. And he was like, if you know what the mission is, but you keep putting barriers in front of yourself, then it's not that you're failing because you're trying. You're failing because you're creating these barriers that weren't even there in the first place. Yep. And that's a lot of what happens on this duty. A lot of people do that. A lot of people, you know, and again, like I said before, with the, with, you know, before you even get out here, people are causing you to have mental blockage mm-hmm. before you even get out here. People are like, hey, the duty sucks. 8412 sucks. The the command sucks. They're out to get you. And like you said, when you came out here, that this was this interpretation that you had. And then you found out, no, that's actually the complete opposite. Yep. Because, you know, in that. Sorry. Because if you, if you as a recruiter fail, they fail, you know, like they they don't want that. Um, But also just let you know, my phone battery is at 10%. Okay. You know, in case we get disconnected. No, I got you. We're going to go. I was going to go just for like five more minutes because we're about to head an hour anyways. Um. But okay, so so in wrapping it up, um, you know, definitely, and I definitely want to do another episode when you're like halfway through because I mm-hmm. want to. I haven't done it yet with anybody, but I kind of want to chronicle the three years of somebody being on the duty, so mm-hmm. we can talk. And especially this would be a phenomenal one because, first of all, I didn't even know there was RSSs that were only two man RSSs. I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Is now is there a lot of you? And your and your RS is that a common thing? No, I am the only one. Oh wow, dude, you must love going to all hands when you get to go. Like you must <laughs> love being able to see another Marine in uniform. You have no idea, <laughs> ah, bro, dude. I you are in my prayers, bro. If you ever need to just hit me up and just vent about anything, I don't care. Please call me. Like I. Dude, I, I give you all the credit in the world, man. Um, so what are so I guess lastly, one of the questions that I would just ask is what advice do you have for anybody that is that is on their way out to the duty? Um, be humble. You know, um just because you were great at your job in the fleet and considered an outstanding marine, like this duty will humble you. And if you come out here humble it'll be much easier, be a much easier transition. You know, don't listen to the people that are naysayers and say that this duty sucks, you know, come out here expecting it to be hard, but knowing that you have the potential to make it something that is beneficial to you and literally every single person you talk to. Um, And, you know, just maintain that positive mental attitude and just learn as much as you can while at recruiter school and retain the science of MC3 and then start applying your own art to it as soon as you hit the streets. 
bro and I, you know to as some may say caveat off that um you know i think a huge thing is is that we don't care enough at brc that's true like i i think it, it's a huge thing and if anybody listens to this whole podcast listen to this um in closing is you brc is about to be the the education you get for the next three years yep those instructors are there to instruct. You better take every hour of their time. You mm-hmm. better take every moment of their time, every fiber of their being to understand MC3 as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if, and in my mind, and, and, and listen, I, I, of course, everybody thinks that things can be different and better. But my thing is, is that I think that with BRC, I think that, I feel like there's not enough practical application. Like in my mind, all the other stuff waivers doing, you know, 680, 20, um, Chris, whatever you learn in my mind, your three months of being at BRC should literally be MC three. Yeah. Like, I don't know why we take so much time on everything but MC3. Yeah. Like, dude, you think about it. Like, you, like, when you do an interview presentation, you do one attempt. And then half the time, they don't even, you don't even do a full interview. You yep. don't, you know, like when you're getting tested on these things, you don't do a full interview. You don't, you do, but what, maybe one benefit tag, one, and then you'll, you'll do, you know, you'll a little bit of an, you know, you'll do the MC3 skills and stuff and you'll do enabling and, 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 and um, exploring and whatever, but you know, you're not going through a whole entire 45. And I understand, but realistically, if we think about it, right, how many, how many people were in your class, were, were in your instructor's class? What was it? 12 people? Uh, 40. No, and, and oh, in the one class, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, but like you know, so clearly you're not going to have everybody do an hour long presentation because it's forty hours, right? But like in my mind, it's like we don't focus enough on MC three, and like because you because the thing is like yourself, you were put into an RS into an RSS four and a half hours away from your for away from your your um RS right. Mm-hmm. And you had little. You literally only had what you got from BRC. Mm-hmm. So now you're literally sitting in front of an interview, and you don't even know what the hell you're doing. You have no idea. You've yeah. never seen. You've never seen what a good interview looks like at this point. And like, and I think that's the part of it is that because you're when you're in school, they don't even show you. Like they don't even show you what a good interview looks like. Mm-hmm. You're just like, hey, you're gonna go do this. Hey, pra- go practice in your room. Do a little bit of uh, a little bit of role play, and then that's it. It's yeah. like no, and everything is a, a yes. You know, there's no no's. It's not realistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no no's. No one's like hell no. No, you don't have a mom come walking in. Like no, yeah. man. Like first like, benefit. Hell yeah, let's do this. <laughs> no, yeah, man. I I, I definitely think. I think that BRC, in my mind, and I would love to have a BRC instructor on here um, one day. I'm gonna have one of my buddies is retiring, so and he was a BRC instructor, so I'm hoping to get him on. But I just think that we definitely, 
I think they need to spend more time on MC3 skills closing. Like, dude, you could do, even if you just did an entire day mm-hmm. of closing, of rebuttal, of, you know, non committals, of soft sales, of mm-hmm. follow ups. Like, a lot of this stuff is just error. And you, and nine times out of 10, you don't learn it until like a year in. Like, a year in, you're like, oh, okay. All yeah. right. I'm finally an amateur. Like yeah. it's like, you know what I mean? Like a year in, you're like, oh, I figured some of my stuff out. And then the new guy checks in and you're looking at him like, hey man, you got about a year, year and a half before you figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it's so do would you say that you've kind of got to figure it out eight months in? Like, what are your thoughts? I would say so. Um maybe not figure it out, but uh I have a good grasp and I'm on a good path to figuring it out. I think um, repetitiveness and then being able to analyze yourself is huge. Mm. Like, you know, for me, like as a recruiter, who does an IOF on me? You know, literally. That's a, that is a phenomenal question. Yeah. Like I, I, my, my recruiter, I have him do IOFs on me. Like I'm like, Hey buddy, um, I know you're my recruiter, but I just need you to watch and tell me what you think I can improve on. But you know what, though, that that speaks volumes about you. That speaks volumes about you because there's other people in this world, no matter how bad they are, they wouldn't allow that to happen. They would they would literally be like, I'm the staff at COIC and I'm my own staff at COIC. So the only person that I have to answer to is me. And mm-hmm. they would never even allow that Marine or that other recruiter to do an IOF on them. So that right there speaks volumes because you're explaining. And like you said earlier on in the beginning, you're having that conversation. Like this Marine understands like, hey, like you're like, dude, I just got out here, dude, man. Like we're we're literally learning how to do this together. Like we're literally we're learning how to do this together. And that, and I love that. Um, you know, I do. I want to, number one, thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate you taking this time out. Um, I hope your staff in CIC is not bothered by this. Um, <laughs> but, hey, man, you know, again, thank you so much for coming out. I definitely want to do a, a part two, part three. Um, and then if you have any questions, man, if you ever need me to run run an IOF on you, man, let's do is I'll, I'll be right there. Dude. Let's go. Um, <clears throat> but seriously, man, if you have any questions or anything that you want me to cover on like a future episode, maybe to help you out um, from someone else's perspective, Definitely let me know. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. And um, that's all I got, unless you have anything you want to leave us with. That's it. I, you know, just thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, hopefully this discussion, this podcast helps somebody out. And, uh, yeah, just thank you for having all right. me. All right. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a good rest of the night. You too. Bye. All right. All right.